You've stumbled upon the Scared AF Podcast, where two gals link spooky tales and stories of the unexplainable. If you've missed our story, start with episode one. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome back, gorgeous ghouls. We are your ghostesses, Katie and Chelsea. Another Frankenstein episode. You're really good at it, so that's good. Thank you so much. It's a new life skill I acquired. Are you recording? Yes, but it's like you do not have a good enough computer to record the video. But I don't oh, that's need, fine. need yeah, don't need yeah, the video. Yeah, yeah. You don't have a good enough video recorder. <laughs> um okay, Get where your were 1981 we? Apple first edition yep. home computer. No, this isn't the one from 2007 that I got when I graduated high school. This is Ken's super old, old, old MacBook Pro. We bought this for $100 from Dio's old coworker, and it is a mid-2011. This poor thing. A mid-century modern? Mmm. <laughs> mm. Just what? throw a little Sherpa rug on it and sell it for $500. What, what color did you paint it? I did it uh, in a wood vinyl frame. It's really flattering. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really good with my camera angles. Thank God no one's ever going to see this. Okay, do I need to say the second time stuff again? The what? Like it's your second time listening? Do you want to? (laughs) No. No! Over this podcast, be like, yo, thanks for showing up. We're fucking here. Right. Let's do this bullshit. So, yeah, this is our ninth attempt at recording. Thank you so much for coming back. We love all of you. Um, Please email us your stories because we really want to hear from our listeners. Scaredafpodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a soothing storytelling voice, and you would like to join us on the podcast? You're hired. Also, be in the cards for you as well. Yeah, we pay. You're hired, pretty but great. we can't pay you. Oh, I mean, we don't pay you. We pay you in <laughs> friendly smiles, and I'll send you a bottle of Menage a Trois on the house. That's wine. Mm-hmm. In case you didn't know that. Yeah, we will not have a threesome. Sorry. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh my God! Starting off with a bang. <laughs> I just like uh, fell out. <laughs> just fell out of my mouth. Oh my god. Okay, so let's get into Golden State Ghosts. And not the whole Golden State. No. Just, just a the little bit. Northern and Central Coast for now because California is a giant landmass. It is. Oh, I think we should talk about Hearst Castle first. Do you? Tell the people what they want to hear. Okay. Well, I was born in California, and I have family all up and down the state. Uh, But my parents have always been really drawn to the Central Coast area, so we vacation there a bunch. The Central Coast is the bomb. So in my family, there are two places that we love to go, and that was Cambria, which is known for... Like, they're sea lions, and the sea lions have, like, a certain part of the year that they breed and have their babies, and it's super cute to, like, watch them kind of (laughs) 
little flubber across the, the beach. And the other place would be San Simeon. And San Simeon is known for Hearst Castle. I have only been to Hearst Castle three times in my life, but I've always felt a really strong pull towards the property and the grounds. And uh, I just feel like it has a lot of residual energy. And my family's huge into book past life stuff. Like my mom's done past life regression and all this stuff. So I haven't done okay, it. Okay, pause. But- Young. What were your mom's past life? Uh, my mom said she had like a vivid remembrance of being like a native, like a, I don't know how, how to explain it. She was back in the day when like they were living in the woods and, you know, catching their food and wow. she, excuse me, gosh, I have the hiccups now. I don't know. It was just kind of this bizarre thing where she just felt this really strong sense of being grounded into the earth and like camping and which my mom is not a camper. So I thought that was funny. She got her fill of it in a past life. And I am pretty sure mine had fire involved in it somehow because I always had recurring dreams and was terrified of fire for a really long time and electricity. And I'm still bitter and resentful towards you or our entire childhood. Mm-hmm. We would be sleeping in Chelsea's bedroom and growing up in Oregon, the winters get super freaking cold and Chelsea would get up before we would fall asleep and turn the <laughs> heater off. And I'd wake up and she'd have all of the blankets and she'd be nice little burrito. And I was freezing in her room. So yeah, I would not leave the heater on overnight because I was always afraid that it would catch on fire. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so sorry about that. I'm apologizing now. Oh, and the other thing with my mom and another thing with Hearst Castle, I'll, I'll get into more of the history about it, but she also, her kind of thing that she said is Marion Davies, who was William Randolph Hearst, the guy that, you know, built Hearst Castle, that was his mistress, um, died like two or three days before she was born. So she claims like she might have some part of Marion Davies in her. Oh. So, uh, so yeah. So, all right, I'll, I'll go into a little bit of the history about the place. Um, William Randolph Hearst had a longstanding history with the property that the castle, well, he actually called it the ranch himself or enchanted Hill. That was another thing that he called it. Um, his it family. does look enchanted. Like you guys have to look up pictures if you've never seen it. It's yeah, insane. it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so the ranch at the height owned over like five hundred thousand acres or something crazy. They've sold off the property and and donated it to the state of California. But uh, Hearst inherited his money through his family. His dad was like a, he worked in mining and gold and he was an engineer, but his fortune that he built himself was in the media business. And at the height of it, he owned 28 newspapers and like over a dozen magazines. And most people say that he made his money off of what's called yellow journalism, which means you're just telling the scandals and bending the truth and kind of creating your own headlines out of like kind of yeah yeah so back in the day it was like gossip column and the thing that is so national inquirer 
Yeah. I mean, nowadays when, because we have social media, it's, it's something we'll never understand that like people could be paid off. I mean, people are still paid off now, but it's so much different with like cell phone pictures and there's so much more to cover up. But back then it was like, here, just throw them $200 or, you know, make this guy disappear kind of thing. But anyways, a lot of people would say that Hearst wasn't entirely a stand-up guy. Like, for example, I was saying Marianne Davies. She was his long, long-term mistress. They were together from 1917 until 1951 when he died. And throughout that whole thing, he was still married to his wife. They Was like it like a public thing? Like, did a lot of people know about it? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody knew about it. I mean, she lived at the, you know, at the ranch with him and he built her he, um, like a beach house and, and all this crazy stuff. And if you ever go to the Hollywood forever cemetery, she has a giant mausoleum that's surrounded by essentially a moat. Like it has this huge water feature with a fountain and we've been there together. Haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. And there's like all these koi fish in it now. And anyways, that's like another really cool place to visit. But, uh, and the other scandal that kind of followed Hearst later in his life was there was, um, a movie producer named Thomas, I think you pronounce it Ince, And supposedly the scandal story is that Hearst walked in on, Marion Davies and him having like a love affair and Hearst shot him because there's this whole thing about they were on the yacht and then something happened to the producer and they had to rush him off of the yacht. And, um, there's actually a movie about it. Like Kirsten Dunst is in it. Um, but they like made it, they made the scandal kind of disappear and, but like his body was cremated super quick. So they couldn't check him for bullet wounds and so crazy. But, and then the other thing is there was a film loosely based on Hearst, which was called Citizen Kane. And that was released in 1941. And the controversy surrounding that film release is really worth looking up. I could, I could go on and on about, you know, the controversies that surrounded Hearst and the people that, you know, were around him, but. So if anything happens to us after releasing this episode, (laughs) you'll know why. Look towards a certain family. I mean, the Hearst Corporation still owns a ton of media publications and like good housekeeping and modern engineering and all these big newspapers still. So, I mean, magazines. So anyways, what we're here to talk about today is the ranch that he built. Not the bunny ranch, people. Not the bunny ranch. Um, It was designed by Julia Morgan, who was the first female architect in the state of California, which is pretty cool. And they broke ground on the property, and I believe it was in the early 1900s. It was right after Hearst's mom passed away. Um, He had to wait to gain access to the money. And he was like in his 50s when he was finally able to start building the ranch. Um, so it's actually a 600,000 square foot mansion that resembles like a, an Italian, I don't know, Villa. cathedral 
the three, yeah. And then it's got three guest houses. Um, and altogether it's over like 90,000 square feet with around 56 bedrooms and all these seating rooms and a giant library. It's, it's cool. But interestingly enough, the mansion was never really finished much like the Winchester house. So underneath the main house now is a giant vault and there's like all these doors that never got put up and all these, you know, intricate carvings and things. But I want to go in the vault. Did I you know, get like, to go in there? No, it's it's a totally off access for Damn. the general public. I saw it on like a, a behind the scenes documentary that PBS did, but it's kind of crazy. Sorry to interrupt you, but I remember you telling me this, that the family like still stays there when tourists come and go. So like they have their side of the property or certain rooms and then tourists are just cruising around. But yeah, in the height, in its heyday, in the twenties and thirties, everybody wanted an invite to the ranch and it was a chance to see people and more importantly, be seen. So it was like Clark Gable and, you know, the, the old famous actors and actresses from that time. Hang on a second. Let me reminds me of like the Gatsby mansion. Yeah. Let me see. So they, people like Charlie Chaplin, who was like a very close friend, wink, wink of Marion Davies. Supposedly they had like a long-term love affair too. Joan Crawford, Bob Hope, um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt apparently went there and like Winston Churchill. And I remember on the tour that I took, um, the, the tour guide said that Hearst would invite anyone he thought could be of interest to him either for like just amusement or entertainment or financial gain mm-hmm. or political gain. Right. Yeah. So, and then there was something about when you would first get to the ranch, you would be seated close, closer to Hearst if he felt like he could essentially use you. Um, but if you didn't please him, you would find yourself like moving further and further away from him at the table. And then you would go back to your room one day and like your suitcases would be packed. So he had like really strict rules for old as ice. Yeah. I mean, but that they used to get together during prohibition and alcohol was allowed for everybody there. So I was telling Chelsea that like, I feel like it was a place of like debauchery and perversion. Mm -hmm. It was like this place to get away from the cameras and being seen. And you were essentially safe. So you were off limits. Yeah. So in the three times that I've been there, I've done a couple different tours. One of them was, you know, the main, the main house. Another one was the guest houses. And then I repeated one of them. But I remember on one of the tours, we were able to go into the wine cellar, which is huge. And this, I mean, all the bottles are still, not all of them, but a lot of bottles are still in there. And I was really, really sick on the tour and I very likely could have been hallucinating, but I remember coming down the stairs and I got hit with this kind of wave of like a vision almost. And I'm coming down to the bottom of the steps and I'm looking out into the room and it's just me. And there's two men in the wine cellar fighting. And one man 
has a bottle in his hand and the other one's trying to take it away from him and it falls and it breaks. And um, then the vision kind of just went away. Like it just was a almost a cloud of smoke. But I remember there was a lot of um, frustration and whoever I was walking down those stairs you know, I was looking for one of the men, obviously. So but... you weren't like a fly on the wall. You were like somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing that's kind of interesting with that is I looked all over the internet to try and find essentially other people's experiences. And I only, from what I could find, only one website, um, the Costa Rican Times. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like not even here. Rando like in times. Some guy posted a story that at night, like the caretakers will hear the shuffling of feet and laughter, people talking and music. And when they'll turn on the lights, the noise will stop. And I wonder news- if like people just felt such a sense of freedom there and like had such a good time and whatever, you know. They return, whether it's family or whatever. I don't know. Well, this guy was saying that he feels like it's residual energy. Like it's essentially like a snapshot of a certain point in time. Just replaying. It's, yeah, like the whole atmosphere and everything is just repeated over and over. And he said that he personally obtained an EVP, so like a voice recording of a man saying, everything will be fine, my dear. Like, whoa, that's crazy. But now the castle... And you know that's something no one would say this day and age, I feel like. No, everything will be fine, my dear. Right. Yeah. So, um, and the other thing that I I found was a woman from San Jose said that she was visiting the castle and she got pinched on the butt which I thought was funny because that's very similar to what you said about Edgefield. So these cheeky little ghosts. So that's all I could find on the interweb. So if anybody else has any, has been there or experienced anything there, knows anything, please let us know. And I'll share my mom's story, which is pretty interesting. Um, She was on a tour. I, it was years ago, probably the eighties. I'm assuming she was there and she had to use the restroom and uh, she was. She asked the tour guide if she could use one of the restrooms, and they let her go into the one that belonged to Marion Davies, which is so crazy. And she said it was she like her personal, personal bathroom. Yeah. And um, my mom said she felt like she knew where things were, and she just felt the sense of like being home and comfortable completely and. That is crazy. She could probably elaborate on it a whole lot more than I can, but that's what happens when you refuse to get on the podcast. So, So, yeah, it definitely sounds like a lot of residual energy imprint mm -hmm. situations. Yeah, I think they were saying that they would consider those, um, what was it, like residual haunting versus an intelligent haunting. So I think that's the term for it that they use, but it's just interesting that there's like no specific traumatic events or anything that's out there 
um, or, you know, like a lot of anger or emotion Mm -hmm. that might be stuck around, but just kind of like the high, you know, high vibe party energy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really, really fascinating place. And I think, like I said, that time frame for old Hollywood, like the twenties and thirties, there's so many scandalous stories and, um, mysterious, mischievous things that it's almost like going down a rabbit hole. Like when you start reading about these people and the lives that they lived, it's just, this was their getaway. I was reading about like residual energy imprinting and it was saying, um, when a house has been filled with love and happiness, it can feel like the sun is shining indoors. However, when a house has been layered with deep anguish, it often feels like a stormy cloud. Mm-hmm. So depending on, it doesn't always have to be like a specific person or people, but like you said, just the energy replaying. So yeah, good stuff. Your place isn't as lovely and charming. No, not at all. (laughs) I'm sure everybody's heard of Alcatraz off the coast of San Francisco. Um, So I thought about it because, of course, I've been there. I went there on my senior trip with my boyfriend, my high school boyfriend. Um, And Katie and I, fun fact, dated identical twins. Mm -hmm. Mine was just a little bit cuter. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of true. I mean, I think other people would mistake what they looked like, but... I feel like, I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> um, so we had to be chaperoned by his mom. She wanted to come along with us. So we went to the Winchester house. We did, you know, the most crooked road in the world, whatever the hell that is. Um, and, of course, Alcatraz. So Alcatraz Island was originally named La Isla de los Alcatraces by Spanish explorers in 1775, meaning the island of the pelicans. Um, Early pelicans have a lot of lice. Pelicans. That's gross. Mm -hmm. Um, Early explorers speak about the negative and evil energy on the property and it's been said that it was potentially a burial ground for the Ohlone tribe outcasts. So there's been bones and native artifacts found on the island, and there's a lot of history of native presences coming and going. Um, It was a military base in 1847 to offer protection of San Francisco during the gold rush, and then the federal government turned it into a maximum security prison Um, from 1934 to 1963. That totally gave me Shutter Island vibes, all of that history. (laughs) So it was a military prison during the Civil War and later housed some of the worst prisoners of its time in the 30s and onward. So Babyface, Al Capone. It closed in 1963 due to funding. I feel like the were really bad for... Funding. Seriously, yeah. Like I always hear a lot of like mental institutions that got shut down in the '60s because of right. funding. I feel like there's hardly off. any of those anymore. 
Yeah. So during my research, I was trying to find other stories from people who have been there, and several people were saying that they heard hey very distinctly and clearly on the audio tape when the rest of their family didn't. So I for sure think there's a rogue audio tape that has this like on it for whatever reason. I don't think that's a thing. I mean, when several people hear it on their audio tape, I mean, did you have anything happen when you were there or just the, I'm going to have to look up more about the attic and record about that specifically, but there's a very famous story of the prisoner in 14 D who was put in solitary confinement and wasn't allowed anyone contacting him, wasn't allowed to talk to anyone, of course, solitary confinement. Um, and I guess overnight he could be heard screaming and shouting that he could see glowing eyes in his cell. And the next day he was found strangled. So a lot of people try to go into that particular cell and hang out and take pictures. I'll post some creepy ones that I found for your viewing. Gross. A park ranger has claimed to hear the banjo music of Al Capone coming from the shower room where he used to practice. So there was... No. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? What is that? Deliverance is like a movie where these people go down the river in the south and they hear like this banjo music coming from the woods. It's like... But ding 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 ding. Is it supposed to be creepy? Yeah. Oh. And then they like capture them. The southerners like capture the people on the river that are tourists, basically. <laughs> and they like torture them. He's like, I'm gonna make you squeal like a pig. Oh, I hate torture in movies. Just in general. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, in general, of course, but in movies I cannot watch that. It makes me sick. It does. I don't know how you could even put it in a movie. Anyways, I was super curious, like, why there's so much energy there. Like, yes, it's a prison and all of that, but there also was a lot of death, which I didn't know about. There was a cell in Alcatraz nicknamed the Strip Cell, where inmates were put completely unclothed. They didn't have a bed. Um, A mattress was only allowed at night, so during the day, it was completely dark, so they had no lights, no sunlight, nothing, Um, completely closed in and only had a hole in the ground to relieve themselves. And I guess the guards wouldn't even, like, empty that very often, so literally in a completely dark room, totally, you know, sensory deprivation, completely. Um, And I guess they were, like, on a super restricted diet, so... So, you know, bordering on torture, but Mm -hmm. Um, several guards and prisoners lost their lives during escape attempts. So records indicate there were 36 prisoners who attempted to escape um, and only two actually successfully made it off the island, but they were later captured. Two inmates drowned and five have been unaccounted for, presumed drowned. So, yeah. Lots of death. Alcatraz did have somewhat of a torture rap, and the fact that people weren't allowed to talk a lot of the time, the strip cell, stuff like that. (laughs) You're yawning. Am I that boring? (laughs) 
<laughs> the audience can't see me yawn. <laughs> Just narrating no, here for all of yeah. you that can't see. And I rode. I rode a thousand meters and I ran two miles tonight. I'm I saw the rowing sitch on the Apple Watch and congratulated you. Thank you. All right. So, yes, I went there with my high school boyfriend at the time. We did the audio tour. It was super creepy, very dark. Um, You know, there's a ton of people around, so it doesn't give you a lot of time to, like, explore on your own without you know, a bunch of people disturbing you. But, um, I know we took a separate tour upstairs. Um, and I want to say it was Birdman, like where they had let him stay for a while and they found like a ton of letters that he had written and like stored away. God, I wish I could remember that. But in any case, there's definitely stories from people who have gone through tours on the Island encountering, crazy stuff. So I wanted to read a few of those. This first one, I need to get the website and put that in here. P.S. But, um, this is Ralph's story. So we were walking up on the morgue to the left is a small structure with two doors and a window in each door. P.S. A lot of people have pictures online you know, who have claimed to see paranormal there, like through the glass, whether it be in the morgue or in other rooms and, you know, seeing apparitions and mists and orbs. Um, so he says, as I look over, I see a person looking directly at me through the window. I turn to my family and say, did you see that guy looking at us through the window? And I looked back and he was gone. I walked to the doors and looked in the window to complete darkness and the doors were chained shut with a rust lock. The hair on my neck was standing. He was pointy in features, grayish in color with receding combed back hair. I did not see his body, but I would say he was about five, six and judging from the doors and him looking over the window. This is something I will never forget. Um, Anyways, he's talking about another thing in Venice, but, um, so yeah, a lot of people claim to look through window doors and see people or see apparitions. Again, the whole, you know, Al Capone banjo music. There were guards, um, and their families that lived on the Island and there didn't seem to be too much activity that like the families reported because you know they've done interviews and things after the fact but the guards for sure who are walking around and the different cell blocks would hear various things because I think they shut down the prison in segments it wasn't like one day they like shut the whole place down Mm -hmm. I think they just kept making the population smaller and smaller and smaller I think it was as people were like transferred out and finished Mm -hmm. out time So I did read that you can stay there on Halloween. Overnight? Yes. And they're also offering night tours now as well. I mean, I would do that on a daily basis. So next time we're near San Fran, I think we should check it out. Yeah. We'll report back on any activity. Paranormal activity. Yeesh. Overnight on Halloween is $666, if anyone was wondering. (laughs) 
Um, oh. You're able to reserve a bed for the night mm-hmm. um, in a reconstructed cell in the dungeon. And mm-hmm. the dungeon was where the strip cell was as well. And like prisoners hated going down there because that's where all the isolation blocks were. There's no way that is, that has to be some of the worst residual energy, right? Like that is just, I my coworker and I were sending, she loves, um, ghost adventures with like that Zach Baggins mm-hmm. guy. And we send gifs back and forth and they like always talk about how Zach's like, Oh, there's a presence down here. It's a dark demonic energy. And be like, Aaron, go down there by yourself. Like, <laughs> I know they always split up and like do shit in different rooms. Fuck that dude. And like poor Aaron is always just like, oh, what was that? Um, can you imagine though staying in an Alcatraz cell overnight? No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> I would feel like Aaron from ghost adventure. It's just like, uh... I limb by yourself and then you will probably I mean the fact that someone would pay that amount of money is just insane to me so you're issued dungeon themed pajamas given midnight snacks and a special breakfast so that kind of makes it a little better I don't know what kind of food it's worth $666 right better be some really good pancakes and (laughs) better be the brunch of a fucking lifetime vegetarian breakfast sausage (laughs) all right well that's way more than you ever wanted to know about Alcatraz and then some thank you so much for tuning in everybody all right and when you get the chance if you could head over to our website it's scaredafpodcast.com you can follow our social media feeds we're on Instagram and Facebook leave us some Um, love yeah, subscribe, follow our, our random pictures stories. that we post. Yeah, let us know your stories. We've had a few come in, some really good ones. So excited. And uh, this next episode that we are going to do, we haven't quite decided on our theme yet, but we are going to share a listener story, and I think we're going to get Chelsea's mom to pop on and tell her spooky story as well. Oh, so. yes. So get ready for Sherry, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I know I can convince her to do this. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) Can't wait for you guys to meet my mom. (laughs) So until next time, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Stay spooky. Bye.